And oh yes, good morning. Thank you so very much for seeing us this morning on gospelbellsradio.com. If you're just joining us, this is your community Christian internet talk radio with a mission to engage the contemporary culture with the mind of Christ. It's Monday, the 4th of September, 2023. The program is On the Lord's Side, Christian Perspectives on News and Current Events. My name is Ulufemi Ogutoku. You can follow me on Twitter at Ulufemi OG and you can follow Gospel Bells Radio on Twitter at Gospel Bells Radio. And anyway, we are beginning this morning uh, with this story which we have titled Wealth, War and Strife, the legacy of a former Nigerian army general whose wives and children are now at war. Wealth, war, and strife. Well, that's a legacy obviously left behind by this uh, former military general. And, well, may I ask you, uh, is that a worthy legacy? I know out there some, some people will immediately jump on the wealth. Well, that's a good legacy to leave behind. Uh, but there's a legacy of war as well and the legacy of strife. And, well, what's the relationship between all three? I, I, I want to take you through this story, and it's a story that everybody should pay attention to because, again, uh, it is one of those uh, those stories uh, that remind us of what the Bible says about the stories in the Old Testament. They were written for our examples. They are written as examples to us upon whom the end of the age has come. This is a, it, It's a fascinating story. It's a sad story, but it is clearly and without doubt an instructive and instructive story. It's, a, it's an instructive story and I do pray uh, that uh, everyone will pay attention to, to this story and the lessons that uh, that the story teaches us. Uh, I'm taking this from sarahreporters.com. It says wives, children of ex-Nigerian army chief accountant Muraino battle over multi-billion naira properties the late general reportedly purchased with harms procurement funds. I mean that's a mouthful right and i i said it at some point earlier on 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 the lord side uh, as an aside of course that you find that in journalism nowadays you find headlines that tell all the story okay this report says the surviving wives and children of the late major general abdullahi inyonda muraino are locked in a bitter dispute in court over the multi-billion over the multi-billion naira properties the ex Army general reportedly purchased with public funds earmarked for arms procurement for the military to fight terrorism. The houses and landed properties involved include, and then you have a long list. And I'm not kidding you right now. I'm not kidding you. The list uh, runs into about, about uh, okay, it's not listed, it's not numbered there, but maybe 15 or even 20. Uh, House 21. Mohamed Ima Street, Asokuru District, Abuja, Mauve Lounge, Ring Road, Ibadan Yoste, Mauve 21 Event Center, Ring Road, Ibadan Yoste, Smart Bridge Plaza, Utako District, Abuja, Pathfield Plaza, Guanripa, uh, FCT Abuja, House, eight, House 826, Palm Estate, Meitama Abuja, 17 Congo Street, Sun City Estate, Abuja, 19 Congo Street, Sun City Estate, Abuja, House 11, Barcelona Street, Sun City Estate, Abuja, and on and on like that. I mean, I don't want to be dramatic about it, but it just goes on and on. And then in Abuja, in in Ibadan, in your state, Abuja, everywhere, Jericho, Ibadan, and then vehicles as well, of course, different uh, luxury vehicles. And then we have right here in this story, if you find that story on salaryreporters.com, 
there's a picture, a picture inserted there, a public notice, caveat, enter, you know what that means in law, in law let the buyer beware. That's the kind of uh, the kind of notice you put in, in newspapers when a property is, is disputed and you are telling the public, don't deal with anyone concerning this property because it is disputed. So uh, we have that uh, somewhere inserted there, public notice, caveat, enter, Interstate distribution of the estate of late Major General Abdullahi Inyondamuraina re- retired. And this is. Can I you see if, if I can bring this up just, just shortly? I, I wanted to listen to exactly what he said because it's a notice related to uh, what has been happening in court where the wives and the children of that late Army General are logged in a dispute. And it says. Listen to this. That notice is hereby given. The general public are hereby warned that the following properties belong to the estate of late Major General Abdullahi Iyondamuraino, which are subject matter of litigation with respect to the interstate distribution of the properties of the said late Major General. And on and on like that. So this just confirms, and this is what actually brought it into public consciousness: uh, the fact that the court ordered the disputing uh, entities to to publish in the newspapers uh, that the properties of the late general are now disputed, have now become the subject matter of a dispute in court. I, I first got wind of this story when I saw something on my. Uh, alumni WhatsApp platform, and and some of them were some people were discussing how uh, it's a matter of uh, disunity within the family, and some were saying it's not just that. Some say it's a matter of uh, polygamy because the, the man had married another wife, aside from his first wife, and I, I mean there have been different perspectives on this, right? Uh, but the the point is there are deeper meanings to this. There are deeper lessons. For us to learn here, uh, I read from this story. It says Muraina died in a hospital in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates last September. So he died last, last September, and while uh, just before he died, he was he, he was until his death the twenty third president and chairman of the Council of the Nigerian Institute of of Management. He was also a former chief accounts and budget at the Nigerian Army headquarters. And I know for people who are acquainted with Nigeria and the workings of government in Nigeria, you hear something like that, that the person was the former chief of accounts and budget at the Nigerian Army headquarters. And then you begin to have ideas in your head about what could have happened and how uh, it was possible that, well, he left behind a legacy of such fantastic, fantastic wealth. According to this report, it says, a source told Sarah reporters that Muraino was indicted for arms procurement fraud in 2016 by the panel on arms procurement set up by former President Mamadou Bari in 2015. And of course, I, I, I hope you recall that, uh, that in 2015, soon after he assumed office, one of the first things that then President Bari did was to set up this arms procurement panel because before before he took office, uh, there had been concerns that, uh, that military officers and politicians uh, colluded to, to, to rob the country, right, uh, by making false pretenses that they were procuring arms to fight the Boko Haram insurgency. And we're going to come to that, right? Uh, the people who, who, who benefited fantastically uh, of 
and the pretense about buying arms to fight the, the insurgency. So according to this report, according to Sarah Reporter's source, uh, this late uh, general was indicted by that arms procurement panel, but it was never charged to court. Th this report says nothing came out of it. Quote, Murano was one of the officers inducted in our audit report in 2016. The panel on arms procurement set up by then-President Mamadou Bari indicted this fellow, but the Economic and Financial Crimes Commission did nothing to implement the said report. Quote, the EFCC also did not arraign him in any court. General Murano owned all the properties listed in the September 2, 2023 this day publication as he was the chief of accounts and budget at the Army headquarters you can now begin to wonder how much the chief of army staff is served under looted this is exactly why Boko Haram and other non-state actors waging wars against the state have not been defeated it serves the interest of a few to keep fighting the wars again we're going to come to that because what i want us to do with this story is to look at it from from at least three perspectives we want to look at it from the perspective of the man himself who labored did i say labored uh, the man himself who thought it well who thought it beneficial who thought it wise who thought it right to accumulate the wealth that he has now left behind when of course his life was taken from him on that hospital bed in dubai last year uh, the man who thought it worthwhile who thought it right to use his offices right to accumulate the wealth that uh, we now have been the subject of dispute before a court and uh, now all of them listed i'm sure that before he died he would not want uh, he would not want the old list of the assets he owned to be made public but now that he's dead and there are some people desperate to lay their hands on it we now have a list a list of those assets published published in in a newspaper of record this day newspaper published on september 2 2023 so from his viewpoint let's let's have some christian perspective on that and then from the viewpoint of the wives and the children who are not who are now at loggerheads who are now in court fighting over those assets then and that and after that from the viewpoint of nigeria and uh, nigeria itself, let's look at the man himself this late general Moreno. of course we are not sitting in judgment over him right of course we do not have a conclusive report from a court of law uh, so um, determining that well he stole money to buy these assets however however we all know that it is one of those instances where in law you say that the facts speak for themselves on unless some other unless some other other facts are brought forward it is impossible all of us will agree uh, for uh, for a military officer to accumulate those assets on the salary paid to him by the federal government of nigeria he did not inherit wealth in any way and well even if he was alive he would have to make some explanations and of course from this report here this source as a reporter source says that he was indicted in that arms procurement panel we know uh, as a matter of record from the report of that panel uh, what actually took place under the presidency of then uh, president good luck good luck jonathan but but let's look at it from the man uh, who himself again who thought it right who thought it beneficial who thought it uh, of value to accumulate the wealth that he that, that he put together 
well, he's dead now and he has been separated from his wealth. And of course, that's the first 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 point uh, from which a Christian would, would engage with a story like this when you're looking at it from the viewpoint of the man that every man, every woman would at one time or the other be separated from his wealth. And that is why uh, anytime I read Matthew 6, 19-21, where our Lord said, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. I always say to myself, there are even many more things to add to what our Lord said, not in the sense of, of adding to the Bible in, in, in that way that distorts, that distorts the message. No, not to distort the, the message, but to emphasize the message. You say that do not store for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where things break in and steal, where devaluation, uh, where devaluation happens to wealth, right? And even where death, where death can separate you from your wealth, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where all these things and many more can happen, can happen to your wealth and make the wealth and, and make the wealth either lose value or separate you from that wealth or or destroy it. But store for yourself treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Of course, we're not talking about wealth that is that is gained in a godly fashion. We're not talking about wealth that is gained through honest means. It is the Lord himself who teaches us to profit. And when the Lord gives wealth, again, you, you recall what the what that proverb said, that he adds no sorrow to it. When the Lord gives wealth, he has no sorrow to it. It is the glory of God for his children to prosper. And when God has a purpose to be done, when God wants to bless his people, wants to bless his church, uh, he puts wealth in the hands of certain people. And it is his glory uh, to do that. But when wealth the positive of wealth becomes the overarching overarching ambition of, of of a person that is not pleasing to god those who trust in their riches will fall but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf proverbs 11 28 proverbs 11 28 and that is uh, so looking at it from the viewpoint of this man who has now been separated from his wealth uh, we also recall that that uh, parable of our lord about the ab- about the rich fool about the rich fool so uh, the person who Who is pursuing the accumulation of wealth through ungodly means is reminded that, well, he will be separated from that wealth someday. As this man has not been separated from his wealth, he is reminded that there is nothing to give in exchange for one soul because why that man was on that hospital bed in Dubai. And uh, just before he died, he must have looked. His life must have flashed, you know. Uh, in the entirety of his life, must have flashed before him. The wives uh, he had, the children, and the wealth, and the all those uh, event centers and, and and properties everywhere in Abuja and Lagos and Ibadan, and Ibadan. All those must have flashed before him. And then I'm sure uh, that, like the preacher, he must have said to himself, vanity upon vanity, all is vanity. Vanity of vanities, the preacher wrote, all is vanity. Again, remember Second Peter 3, 11, uh, where, where, where the apostle reminded anyone who would listen, saying that, look, all these things will be destroyed by fire. So what sort of men ought you be? Ought you be? 
But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Will be laid bare. And then the apostle Agu said, Look, seeing that all these things will happen, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? We do not know uh, the spiritual state of this late general when he died. Oh, oh that he met the Lord before he died. We do not know for a fact. But for, again, as I said earlier on, these are things written as examples for us, as examples for us. And the lesson we have to learn is, even in the pursuit of, of our of, of all earthly ambition, what is more important above all, what is most important is what is to seek uh, the kingdom of God is to be people who are holy, separated unto God in all conversation and godliness. I think the point, the overarching point to make, looking at this story from the perspective of the late Major General Murano, is to be reminded, if anyone needs reminding, that each of us would at one day be separated from his wealth, from our wealth. And that reminder that one day I will be separated from my wealth, that should make me think and say, look, what sort of a person ought I mean, what sort of a person should I be? Uh, I should ask that question again. I should be. I should be asking the question: If indeed I will be separated from this wealth, how much should I give? How much should I give to 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 uh, to acquire it? Because in the case of this story, look at this story where we are uh, we are dealing with. This is wealth said from credible sources to have been accumulated through what? Through what? Through the mismanagement, misappropriation. And preferring, in fact, preferring of public funds, funds meant for, meant for what? Meant for the procurement of arms to defeat terrorism in Nigeria. And, and that brings us to the second perspective from which we must engage with this story, the perspective of Nigeria itself. Again, we always make this point. We would not be the first ones to make it. Everybody has been making that point. Which point? That that is a cost to corruption, and every one of us, uh, whether in government or outside of government, involved in this, and it's a, and it's a, it's a reminder to, to all of us, should, should be warned about this. There's a cost uh, to corruption. And the cost is that, somehow you don't see it very clearly, the cost is that in, in a government official stealing X amount of money, and that government official is depriving the country of the benefit that that X amount of money would have been to some person or some institution or some society in the country in the country now many people have been wondering why it has been it has been impossible for nigeria to defeat uh, the boko haram insurgency and terrorism in nigeria and i love the perspective of the source quoted by Sarah Reporter said, look, this is the point that this man was indicted by that armed procurement panel that this is the reason why nigeria has been unable to defeat terrorism because many of those involved the military those who rank highly in the military they are not truly interested they're not really interested in in this war uh being won why because they are feeding fat they're feeling fat on it uh I, I i know of a close acquaintance who said to me that he traveled to somewhere in the north 
uh, to you know I, I think Bono, the Bono area, all those areas that were heavily ravaged by the Boko Haram insurgency, and then that they were lodged in a fantastic hotel there, said to be owned by uh, by one of the military generals, and that it is in that hotel that they they host or the house uh, government officials you know visiting the war ravaged area and the point is why would somebody go there to invest in a permanent structure if you really are planning to win the war would you go there and in your own personal capacity build uh, such a, a gigantic hotel because they must have said to themselves look this is something that's going to continue forever this is uh, this is the egg the the what the the hen that lays the golden egg so they're just going to pre, they're just going to preserve that hen make it live and live and live and live forever and the end here we're talking about the war but uh, i mean that's so callous right that's so callous because you're talking of preserving the insurgency the insurgency that is costing lives the, the insurgency that is leading to the maiming of so many people, causing lives, uh, leading to kidnaps and all sorts of all sorts of ills. So uh, you have uh, in Nigeria. Nigeria is now served uh, served by military generals, by politicians who 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 find prosperity in uh, in a distress. And that's so sad. That's so sad. And that's what you look at this story from Nigeria's point of view. That Nigeria is now served, said to be protected, or said to be served by military generals and politicians and many others uh, who find prosperity in Nigeria's distress. And it's not only just military rulers, not just politicians, maybe even all, all of us religious people as well. Uh, those who run Christian ministries, pastors, priests, uh, People who should ordinarily be serving Nigeria in the in in the in the position of the public conscience of the country, who are not speaking truth to power, uh, who are just buttering things up, right? Uh, because well, they will continue to be patronized if they uh, if they continue in that fashion. Any, anyone in that group would be somebody who is prospering or who is gaining an advantage uh, from the distress uh, that is that is afflicting Nigeria. I think that is what this story reminds me of: that we have military generals and politicians who find prosperity, who find gain in Nigeria being distressed, and they want to keep Nigeria that way. It is our duty to pray and cry to the Lord to deliver us uh, from such from such people. And then let's look at this story from the from the point of view of the wives and the children who are now in court. I understand they are in one upper area court in Abuja uh, because the man lived in Abuja. So they are there in that upper area court in Abuja trying to, everybody trying to just and say, look, well, we have codified, we have bring together a list of the assets owned by our late husband or our late, uh, our late our late father, please make a determination that, and this is not me. I've not seen the, I've not seen the, uh, the court document. So this is just me, just uh, pontificating on this and just making conjectures. So somebody will be saying, "Look, I'm the first wife, and under Islamic law, I should have access to this." this. That somebody say, "Look, I'm the first son, under Islamic law, I should have access to this and that." I'm the first daughter, I'm the first this. Yes, he also married me under the second wife. So yeah, he also married me under Islamic law. I have equal rights as the first wife and all that. So everybody will be making claims, and that should remind us who think from Christian perspectives of that account in. 
Luke 12, 13, right? You should remind of that account in Luke 12, 13, where we read that someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And isn't that similar to what is happening now, where you find uh, those wives and children in court saying, George, tell tell them to give me what belongs to me from my husband's estate, from my father's estate. Uh, of course, in Nigeria, it's not, it's not it, I mean, that, that's not strange to us in Nigeria, right? Uh, you remember the case of the Okotiebo. So Okotiebo, uh, their, their, their father uh, served as Minister of Finance uh, in Nigeria in the First Republic. Uh, it was said to be, uh, it was said to have been somebody so flashy, so colorful in his dressing uh, that uh, at the time of his death, he owned uh, he owned many assets, many assets, uh, so much so that I at least I do not know about right now, but I know that at least up till about seven years ago, and that would be uh, that would be like decades, decades after he died, maybe about three or four decades after he died, the matter was still in court, was still in court. It had not been fully resolved. I don't know whether the Supreme Court has pronounced on his estate now that's to tell you the value of the estate he left behind and of course the strife that he left behind as well the legacy of strife that he left behind as well unfortunately the estate of the late legal luminary fre williams is now also a subject uh, of litigation and we're talking about fre williams who had only one wife who had only four children all born to him by that same woman and amazingly just amazingly distressingly uh, the matter is now also in court so much on uh, and it's even taking turns for the world because one of them has died and of course so uh, so the uh, the beneficiaries of his own estate will now become uh, the litigants against their uncles and against their aunts so very horrible or horrible and distressing story there but the point is let's go back to this luke 12 13 account where someone said to our lord teacher tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me i mean on the face of it you would say to yourself this is somebody who must have who must necessarily have rights to 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 the to the inheritance is telling jesus tell my brother not not to to uh to sit on our father's estate tell him to divide it with me and you would one would ordinarily expect jesus to have been sympathetic right but you sympathetic to the man and say oh somebody wants to cheat you oh let me Call him, tell him to come and see me, and I'm going to speak some sense to him. Why would he cheat you? It's wrong to be cheated. Or rather, it is wrong to cheat. And I would always take the side of those who are cheated. Perhaps one would have expected somebody like that from our Lord. But what is that what our Lord said? Our Lord said, man, who appointed me a judge and arbiter between you? Well, maybe the judge before whom the wives and children of late, late General Murano are appearing would not have the uh, would not have the license to say that because well he has actually been appointed as a judge over such matters. But then our Lord said to him, "Watch out! Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions." Hmm. And many people have looked at this part. Many people have engaged with this portion of the scripture and have said. Well, why would our Lord respond that way to somebody who wanted to get the inheritance that all all things being equal, he had he had uh, he, he had the he had the right to he had the right to that inheritance. He was about to be cheated, and our Lord said to him, somebody who was about to be cheated, our Lord said to him, watch out and be on your guard against all kinds of greed. 
Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. So the person who, who, who felt cheated also got indicted by our Lord. And that's the question many of us must be asking ourselves when we struggle over things like that. All the things that the wives and children of this late major general are struggling over. I suppose that at some point, the many many of us, indeed, when we say to ourselves, look, I'm going to get this and I'm going to fight. And we must say the voice of God saying to us at all times, well, watch out. Be your guard against all kinds of greed because the estate was not never belonged to them. It was not it was not theirs, right? It, it belonged to the late the, to the late major general who himself was separated from his wealth when he died in that uh, Dubai hospital last year. It was already separated from his wealth, and then you have people uh, who were not the original owners uh, of the wealth now trying to and uh, now fighting over it. Some uh, would even go to, uh, to 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 different lanes just to get it. Some will concord lies; they will put lies together and place it before the court. There are people who are going to concord lies and put it before the court just to gain an advantage. As uh, it, it is on record that some people have killed. Uh, they, they've killed just in order to uh, to be part of those who, who, who will inherit the wealth, uh, the wealth originally acquired by somebody else. It is fo- it is foolishness. That's what our Lord, uh, the point our Lord was making to that that. To that man, look, watch out, be careful. It is greed. It was never yours, but now uh, you want to go to any length just to to take part of it. And the the reminder to the Christian, the question to the Christian, not to go overboard over matters like this, is that life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life does not consist in an abundance of. There's much more to life. There's much more to life. Uh, so much. This is not to say that if you have uh, if you have legal right to to an asset, if you have legal right to an estate, you should not fight for it. You should fight for it uh, in the sense. And when I say fight for it, we do not mean fight instead of physical fight or or. or or use uh, all means possible. No, you fight for it in the only in the legal sense. In the legal sense, maybe you you file a matter in court and then you do everything that is legal, everything that is godly to get it. Do not do anything ungodly. Do not do anything illegal to to get the asset that you think you have a right to. That's what the Lord is saying because life does not consist in abundance of possessions. So a person who knows that, look, there's much more to life than, than possessions, that person will only stay, that, that person will have red lines that cannot be crossed. And, and that's the point. And that's when we discuss wealth and all these things. When we discuss wealth, it is not that wealth is not good. Of course, it is good. It is good. I want to be as wealthy as possible as well because, well, who doesn't want to? What is good? But the Christian knows that there are red lines. There are red lines not to cross. I'm not going to do this and this and this. I'm not going to do anything that is against the will of my God. I'm not going to do anything that God does not want for the purpose of accumulating wealth that's it pure and simple i think that solves uh that that answers the question uh but uh within righteous boundaries oh lord bless us bless us and bless us abundantly abundantly indeed so again that my verdict here is that this is a distressing story uh the story of the man himself said to have acquired that wealth by 
by preferring the 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 monies meant for procurement of arms, he has been separated from his wealth. Every one of us will stand before God's judgment throne. He's going to stand before God's judgment throne. Uh, the the wealth he accumulated in this world will not serve him in the world to come, and we must hear the voice of our Lord saying, "Do not stop your treasures here." Story of your treasures in heaven. Uh, for the country, we should lament the fact that we are we are governed, we are led, uh, we are even set up to be defended by people who profit from the distress of this country. We should pray for this country. And for those who are at loggerheads before that, let them be reminded that life does not consist in an abundance of possessions, if they would do anything, if any one of them would do anything to lay hands on the asset, let that person be reminded that the person who put the asset together in the first place has been separated from it, and this new person too will be separated from it. And of course, that red line, do not cross any red line drawn by our Lord to acquire wealth. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Okay, and next let's go to this interesting story. When I first saw this story, I, I chuckled a bit and I said, well, now terrorists are being terrorized. And that's the uh, that's the title we are giving to this segment. And on the Lord's side, terrorists terrorized. Is that what we are reading now? Because we read that in Zamfara community, uh, has kidnapped the wives of terrorists. I want to take this report again from Sarah Reporters. It says, more facts have emerged on how residents of Birin Magaji in Zafara State abducted, abducted wives of terrorists in retaliation to a recent kidnapping in the community. Now we know so well that it is not unusual, right? We know that so well. It's not unusual for for terrorists to kidnap people. In fact, that is their MO. That's their modus operandi. Uh, They raid a city, they raid a community, they kidnap people, and then they, they make a demand for ransom. But now we are reading that the residents of this community in Zamfara State, the Bering Magazine Zamfara State, have adopted the wives of terrorists in retaliation to a recent kidnapping in the community. This was confirmed by a youth leader of the community to PR Nigeria, who said that uh, the step was taken by the concerned youth due to the incessant attacks by terrorists on their community in recent times. And of course, I mean, uh, this story is there. Time will tell whether this is an effective strategy employed by this community, right? Time will tell whether this will be an important, whether this will be an effective strategy employed by the community. But let us reflect, you know, on, on, on this concept of hostage taking itself. Why do people take hostage? Of course, this hostage taking is not something new in Nigeria, not something new in the world, not something new to humanity. In fact, somebody has said that hostage taking is as old as as uh, as humanity because i mean just look you, you look through history and you find that well people have been taking old stage for a long time why do people take old stage? they take old stage because they want to exact influence on some other pe- person that's a ransom that is demanded so somebody says okay if i want mr a to do this let me take something that is of value to mr a and then because he wants it back he would most likely do what i want him to do and and that's the point that, that's the main point about hostage anybody who wants to take a hostage must be sure right must be sure that the hostage 
is of value to the person from whom the ransom is demanded. And that's the point I'm trying to make this one. I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, well, I do hope uh, that the wives seized by that Zafara community, that those wives are considered of great value to those terrorists in uh, in, in Zafara State to, to the extent that they will probably stop reading that community on account of that uh, i asked i i did a cost research on any historical anecdote that illustrate the ineffectiveness of hostage taking due to the hostages perceived lack of importance when the hostage is perceived not to be of that of so much importance to uh, to the person from whom the ransom is demanded, well, it may not be effective. There's this story, an interesting story. Uh, you know, Alexander the Great, who, of course, tried so much to conquer uh, the Persian Empire. He succeeded at some point, but he had numerous challenges and battles. At, at one point, it was said that one of the Persian noblemen named Batis, he took the wife of one of the officers in Alexander's army. He took the wife of that uh, Macedonian officer, Philotas, took the wife and believed that by seizing the wife of, of, of Philotas that he could pressure Philotas to betray Alexander. So that's what this man, the man said, look, this uh, Alexander the Great he wants to conquer the Persian Empire. Let's see how we can get through to him. So this man uh, seized the wife of one of the officers in Alexander's army and hoping that, look, by seizing his wife, I can pressure him to betray Alexander. Listen to this. However, when Philotas learned of this, that's the man whose wife was kidnapped. When he learned of this, he reportedly responded with remarkable indifference. He said to have remarked that, well, he could always father more children and father another wife. But that there was only one Alexander the Great. Imagine that uh, for uh, a kidnapper or a criminal person to have taken a, t- taken a hostage and the person from whom the hostage was taken to have said, oh, really, you've taken this person? Don't worry, I can get another one. How horrible, how sad. Uh, what a sad commentary on, the, on, on that person's uh, view on the on the hostage taking. So in this case, the wife of Philotas was taken, and Philotas was uh, Philotas said, "Look, I can always get more children. I can always further more children. I can always find another wife. Okay, you can take her." And at that point, you find that the person who took the hostage will find that well, uh, it would serve no purpose because at the end of the day, the point we're trying to make is that. The success of hostage taking can be influenced, or is even always influenced by the determination and loyalty that the success of hostage taking is dependent on the value placed on the hostage by the person from whom ransom is demanded. And that's this why I'm just hoping that in the case of Zamfara State, that these terrorists uh, do place some animals do place some value on their wives they kidnapped right because if they do not place value on those women kidnapped uh, then the community would have acted in vain would have acted in vain and again from from christian perspective you can look at hostage taking from even uh, a deeper spiritual a deeper spiritual spiritual level because at the end of the day you look at this hostage taking situation uh, the, the reason why people take hostages is to force a person to do a particular thing to do a particular thing i mean i'm reminded of the case of job right now this is not on all fours with hostage taking but if only we would just draw some parallels we'll see it look at the case of job right the reason why satan took uh, his health took 
uh, his prosperity, took his children, was to force him to, to recant, was to force him to curse, uh, to curse the Lord. Uh, in some way, you can see it as a sort of hostage taking because right there you find Satan taking hostage of Job's prosperity, Job's health, and said, look, I'm going to hold on to this until you curse the Lord. What are you going to do? Are you going to, for, because you want it back. And of course, Satan took things that were of value, of value to of value to, to to job and and i think we should always uh, reflect on matters like this uh this uh, this and the lesson for us is you know when satan does things like this when does things like that oh that we will have sufficient faith sufficient faith to know that uh, nothing is as valuable as our loyalty to christ job passed past in that sense and some people have argued and I, and I see the point as well it's a theologically uh, theologically fraught point it's a point of theology that we should engage with very carefully but sometimes God takes hostage as well does he well if you need some validation for that you have to go to Joel Joel 2 25 to 26 our Lord said there uh, a verse that is often recited as a verse of comfort is that a promise but right there anytime this this portion is read as a promise from God, as a comforting word from God. And of course it is. I, I always pay attention to the last part of it. Lord, the Lord said to his people, and I will restore to you the years that the locusts had eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm. Listen to this. My great army which I sent among you. This, this was the Lord saying to his people, don't worry, I will restore the years that the locusts, the canker worm, the caterpillar and the palmer worm have eaten. But... I'm the one who sent it to you. I sent the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm of the locusts to you. Meaning that the Lord took hostage, uh, took their prosperity hostage, took the prosperity of his people hostage at some point. Why? Because he wanted them to do something. Again, the point we're trying to make is that uh, this Amber story uh, reminds us, one, first of all, that the effectiveness of hostage taking is dependent on the value placed on the hostage by uh, by the person from whom ransom is demanded. And we are hoping that uh, the terrorists, the, those terrorists, uh, do place value on the women kidnapped by that community in the in, in the far state. Again, we are saying let us let us even reflect on hostage taking from deeper levels, from deeper spiritual levels. Uh, that when when a person wants to exert influence on another person, yeah, it is it is it is an age old uh, custom to take hostages. Satan took hostage of Job's health and wealth and prosperity and family because he wanted to exert influence on him. He wanted him to cause the Lord. Job passed. And may we always pass as well because Job uh, did not place value on the things taken hostage. He does, did not place the va- did not place value on them beyond the value that he placed on being loyal and obedient to the Lord God Almighty. And may that be our case as well. And we're making this point from Job to as well that it is no there's no doubt that sometimes the lord himself and we say this we don't, the lord himself takes hostage of certain things in our lives because he wants our attention he wants our attention but there's a difference when the lord takes hostage and we put that in in in, in scare quotes there's a difference when the lord takes hostage of anything in our lives when the lord takes hostage of anything in our life, it is for our own good. It is for our own good. When God speaks of sending troubles like canker worm and caterpillars to get our attention, 
He does this not to harm us, but to draw us closer to him. And in this moment, our response should be to seek him earnestly, understanding that his plans are for our good, for our welfare. Again, we wish that community in Zamfara State well. Of course, there are other ways to engage with this story by, of course, lamenting uh, the state of Nigeria, where you find a community needing to resort to things like that in order to get rid of terrorists. It's a failure of government, and we do hope we do hope that these things will soon become things of the past in this country. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, and finally today on the Lord's side, very briefly, this is a story we have engaged with before in the past. Yeah, when news broke that uh, a redeemed church pastor, I went to the news broke, the new pastor was the leading candidate to become the new Shawn of Ogumosho. And the Shawn of Ogumosho is the title for the paramount ruler of a town in southwest Nigeria named Ogumosho. Now, yesterday, news broke yesterday that it, it has not been confirmed that this our pastor will be the new Shomu of Obumosho. That this pastor will be the new Shomu of Obumosho. And well, it is fascinating. When we first engage this story, we, we, we engage this story from different perspectives. Like from the perspective of uh, whether Christians should venture into things like that, whether Christians should consider. Uh, consider their loyalty to Christ more important than serving in capacity like that. Yesterday, I came across a tweet uh, of somebody who was trying to justify why Christians should not hesitate. Why Christians should not hesitate in in uh, in taking up positions like that. And this person did uh, quite uh, a good work. Did quite some work uh, putting together. Uh, together a historical fact of when Christians served as paramount rulers of different of different uh, different towns in in Nigeria and uh, of course I mean reading reading through that thread I gained a uh, lot of insights uh, for example I, I never knew that I was one uh, Christian king who served as or near fifa in the I understand in the 16th century one Thompson that he served as the owner of Ife and many many other examples like that. Of course, I know examples of of many kings, especially in southwest Nigeria, who have put themselves forward as as God fearing, as Christ honoring kings, and who from all we see uh, tried their best uh, to be to be to be loyal to Christ. Of course, there is the, the case also of the present Olu of Wari, uh, a man that I admire from a distance, both himself and his wife. And I wish them the very best. They are people who are never shy or reluctant to identify to identify with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And both of them are quite young, uh, now uh, serving or in office or in power or uh, on the throne uh, as the Olu of worry. So there are people like that who go out there and they believe that uh, they can remain faithful to Christ. Uh, somebody wrote last week that this man who or this pastor, this redeemed pastor who has not been who, who has not been selected as next to much just said uh, during this interview while he was interviewing for the role uh, that it would it would it would be 
it will be it will be the king to all both to christians and to muslims and to those who practice the traditional religion uh, and i do hope what he meant by that was to say that uh, it would be fair it would be fair in his disposition and conduct to all persons not that he meant that well it would it, it would identify with all of them because you cannot identify with all of them you cannot identify with all the religion christianity is uh it's an exclusive religion it's an exclusive religion it does not permit of you to have loyalties to any other god so this person called it redundant argument when we talk about uh the when, when we bring up concerns about pastors serving in that position this person called it redundant argument he, he wrote of this man the 19th he wrote of of this man about thompson john i never heard of him until now and i'm going to read more about him about thompson john uh who, who is said to have been a 16th century christian or near of ife and that women have served well in in the office of the Oba of of southwestern states and that we should not have any concern at all well it is not to say that we have concern it is to say that christians who find themselves in those positions should be reminded that our lord will not take kindly will not take kindly to anyone anyone serving any other god any other god it will be a disaster it will be a disaster for somebody who has known the lord to also comp- to now find himself compromising on matters like that that is one of the things that the lord will that the lord is jealous jealous of i mean jealous god that i have no other god before me i'm a jealous god yes i mean people have said that the reason why solomon's name is not in the hall of fame is because he served other gods and we are praying for this man who all of that things being equal will soon be installed as the new show of a show that if indeed is he is in the lord's army if he indeed is on the lord's side if indeed he has known the lord that the lord will grant him grace grant him grace to stay faithful to stay faithful and not to compromise in jesus name amen amen and amen You are listening to GospelBellsRadio.com, the Christian internet radio with a mission to engage the culture with the mind of Christ. Keep listening and invite others, too. God bless you. Engaging the culture with the mind of Christ. 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 Engaging the culture with the mind of Christ.